All right. So 2020 has rocked this world, hasn't it? It's like, I don't even know what the posts are going to be like when we get to closer to the end of the year. You know how we would get on there and say, well, let me just reflect on 2020. I don't know what that's going to be like, or even what we're going to say we look forward to in 2021. Anything but 2020, I don't know. But it's been one of those years. It's rocked this world. It's rocked maybe even your life personally, uh, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe even spiritually. And I would even say that the circumstances of this year have rocked the church. And you might be saying, no, 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 no let's not get crazy here. But Jesus taught that this is kind of what life will be like sometimes for us. In fact, the, the best speech that was ever given on this planet was what we call the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And at the very end of that sermon, he says this in Matthew 7, 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. So Jesus says right here in his teaching, you know, it doesn't say that if you do what I say, there will be no rain, there will be no floods, there will be no wind. No, this is part of living in this world right now as we know it. The rains will come and they have come. <laughs> The winds are even blowing right now. Like there's a branch in the middle of Taylor Mill Road that someone had to move before church started in this moment today. Like this is 2020, right? Just nothing surprises me anymore. Bridges are catching on fire. It's just the weirdest year. But it doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say you are spared of all storms. No, he says the storms will come. But what the storms will reveal is what the foundation really is. And I think that's been a very sobering silver lining in all of this is that what's really going on underneath? What is my life founded on? What is our church founded on? What are we really hoping in? What are we really trusting in? What are we really doing with our lives? And so that's what I think we've been in for the past nine months. And that's why I want us to have a family meeting. It's what we've been calling this today and even next Sunday. We have two Sundays and we're going to have a family meeting. We're going to talk about what is our foundation? What is it we're supposed to be doing? What does it really mean to be a part of the family of God? And I'm going to use a lot of Hickory Grove language here. And that might cause some people who are watching or listening online or even those of you who are here in person you may be like, well, if I belong to another church, maybe this isn't for me. No, no, no. If you want to know what it means to actually be a part of the family of God, to be a part of the church, what the church is supposed to be doing, uh, I believe even if, you, even if you belong to another church, your pastor will say, lean in and listen to this. Or you might be watching or listening here online today or here in person, and you might, if you're being honest, say, I don't even know what I believe. I don't know if I believe God exists or not. I don't know if I believe that this Jesus Christ really did come and down a cross for me. I don't know if I believe any of that. Then I would also encourage you to lean in because I want you to hear things about him. I want you to learn what it means to be a child of God. If you believe in him, this is what life looks like. This is what we do. This is who we are. And that might give you a glimpse into what God wants you to be a part of, I believe. 
So with that in mind, I want to begin with this statement. Jesus gave us our mission. You have a purpose. There's something that until this old world passes away that he wants each and every one of us doing. And so I want to read to you that mission. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a beautiful description of what we're supposed to be doing as believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. He's with us every step of the way, but he has us telling other people about him and helping other people to follow him, helping other people join his family and experience the abundant and eternal life that he died and rose again for us to have. That's what we're supposed to be about. This is our mission. Now, this is every church's mission. You can look at every church on the planet that follows Jesus Christ, that's built on the Bible, and they may have different mission statements that read differently, which I'm going to show you ours in a minute, but it's all still the same thing. We are here to make disciples, to help people know who Jesus is, and to help them to enter into a relationship with Him and to grow in faith with Him. That's what we're supposed to do. It's what we're all about. Our mission statement reads like this. Hickory Grove exists to eradicate lostness in northern Kentucky by doing whatever it takes to help every person take their next step with Jesus. So if you're a part of the Hickory Grove specific family, this local church, this is the mission you're a part of. And different churches have different versions. They read a little differently with their mission statements. And I believe the reason that's the case is because every church is unique. Just like every person in the family of God is unique, every church is also unique. And what makes Hickory Grove especially unique, in my opinion, is that we've been around a really, really long time. Those shirts that are on sale that Tim talked about in the video, they say Hickory Grove established 1800. This church began in the year 1800. We're, we're not that much you know, younger than the United States of America. We've been around a long time. And what I know about the history of Hickory Grove is there's a long-standing heritage and legacy of loving this community, of reaching this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been that way for a long time. And what's really cool is that though this church started 220 years ago, I believe our Heavenly Father was able to look into the year 2020 and realize that this church would exist almost at the very intersection of the most traveled highways in Kenton County, Highway 16 and 17. And uh, several years ago, the North American Mission Board declared that Kenton County is the most lost county in the state of Kentucky, that 85% of the residents here don't go to church at all and perhaps may not even know who this Jesus is who died for them. I think... That's a statistic I want to see go down and down and down. But it's also kind of riveting and exciting to live in a place, to be planted in a place where we have an amazing mission, where we can shine the light of the hope and the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of a storm, a storm like no other, a once-in-a-lifetime storm. That's the mission that we have and that you and I get to be a part of that as followers of Jesus Christ to declare the hope of Jesus. 
Now, if Jesus gave us our mission, I would say this. The first church informs our vision. In other words, when you look at the very, very first church, which we're going to look at in Acts 2, it gives us a portrait of what it would look like, what our focus should be to actually fulfill this mission. So I want to read to you a description of the very first church in the first century. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We're going to look at this passage even again next week. But within this portrait, we capture a vision of what it would be like to live out being a part of the family of God. And if I could sum up Hickory Grove's specific vision in two very succinct sentences, and you could tell a church's vision, vision by just what they do. Just watch what a church does, and that's what their vision is. Watch what they're focused on, that's their vision. I believe it's clear to me, observing Hickory Grove over the past five years especially, in the 22 years I've been on staff here, here's what we're about. Bless Northern Kentucky, build God's family. Those are the two things that we do. Those are the two hills we die on. We want to love this city, love our community, love North Kentucky, partner with other people to make a difference, to shine the hope and the love of Jesus Christ to others. And we fight hard to do that. We look for every opportunity we have to try to do that. And we, we ain't great at it all the time, but we strive to be. But not only that, it's not just about meeting needs in the community and loving the actual community. We love them with the love of Jesus Christ, which means that we want to adopt more people into His family and grow His family, helping other people to know that this Jesus died personally for them so that if they would just believe, they could become a child of God and experience the abundant and eternal life that God wants them to have, that God created them to have. That's what we're about, to bless North Kentucky and build God's family. So when we look at this portrait of the first century church, we see some things that they did, and we've created a list of things that we will do because of that portrait. And here at Hickory Grove, we call them the four G's. Four words that begin with the letter G. And the first one I want to talk to you about, we're going to just talk about two today, and we'll talk about two next week. The first one is gather. When you look at Acts chapter 2, those first century believers gathered daily at the temple and worship together. This is vitally important that the family of God gathers regularly to pray to the God, to pray to the God who created them, to their heavenly Father who loves them, to pray to Him, to praise Him, to learn from Him, from His Word, and to walk away ready to live for Him. It's vitally important. And we could say, well, boy, 2020 really rocked that, didn't it? Really challenge that. But I would say to you that from day one of this pandemic, we never, ever stopped gathering. We are able to use technology like today. Those of you who are on Facebook right now, gathering online, I love this. 
that we've, even, we've seen a greater increase in gathering through technology than ever before in the history of this church, for sure. And we've, able to, we've been able to create a way to safely worship in person as well. During a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, we have not stopped gathering, and I would urge you to not stop that at all. In fact, here's two challenges I want to give to you as it comes to this thing called gathering. The first challenge is from now to the end of this year, make worshiping with the family of God a priority every single Sunday. If we want to put our house back on a firm foundation, if you're watching and listening to this online or if you're here in person, and gathering and worship has been more of an occasional thing for you, I want to challenge you to make it a frequent thing, to make it a habitual thing, to get back to it. Because I know many people, people that I saw attend a little bit more regularly before the pandemic, have struggled with this commitment. But it's what we do as a family. We have family gatherings. It's what it means to be a part of the family. God, the more family gatherings you miss, the more distant you grow from that family. So it's important that you still do this. And some might say, well, you know what, man, the virus is surging right now and it's dangerous and you're telling us to gather? What are you talking about? Well, once again, I'll go back to saying, even when we were staying healthy at home, we were still gathering virtually online. And that's why I wore my jersey today. You're like, what is he wearing? His, he must really love the Bengals to be wearing that jersey who've won maybe two games this year, right? So, in fact, our intern, Grace Gillum, saw me wearing this jersey, and she, she says, why are you wearing that today? Did they win? And I'm like, uh, that's you, serious. Uh, did they win? Yeah, they've won a game or two. I'm wearing this today because my second challenge to you, as you prepare to worship virtually with us online, here's my challenge. When you gather online, treat it like your weekly Super Bowl. Go next, go next level with it. If it's possible to start treating it like that, I think you'll go next level because for those who, especially those who have health issues that have been worshiping from home since day one of this pandemic, it's, isn't it easy to just kind of have the worship service on the screen and then do 20 other things almost? And sometimes you have to do that. There's a, a gentleman online that posted in the comments, and I love it when people are on the Facebook version of our live, and they get on comments and say, hey, what's going on? This is awesome. They'll make a comment about the song or the worship, and I love that interaction. That's part of being a part of the family gathering. Uh, but one of the guys on there today was like, I have to work today, and I'm so thankful I can worship. That's great. If you don't have to be doing anything else, though, why not treat it like your weekly Super Bowl? When I'm going to watch a sporting event, I will pick out what I want to wear for that sporting event, and I'll lay it out, and I'll be ready. I know what I'm going to eat and drink. I prepare. I get my seat ready, and I push aside all distractions, and I focus. And I think one of the problems during our virtual worship gathering season that we've been in is we've grown more and more distant from the family because it's become something that we may or may not click on, but even if we do, maybe we just do 20 other things at the same time. Let's lean in. Let's challenge ourselves to, to treat it differently. This is important. This is me getting together with my family, and I want to make sure I'm a part of it. Now I want to move on quickly to the second G, and that is grow. Not only did those first century believers gathered together in the temple courts and worship. They also gathered in smaller groups in homes, and they broke bread together, and they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they met each other's needs. Friends 
more than ever before, you need a small group. You need a group of people around you that knows what you're going through, that knows what to be praying for you about, that knows what needs you have, that can also keep you accountable and help you grow in your faith. During a pandemic, that's been rocked and challenged too. But we have small groups that have existed before the pandemic that are still meeting. Some are able to do it safely in person and they're doing that. Others are meeting using Zoom, using Facebook Messenger, using FaceTime, a mixture of both in person and that. This can be done and it can be done safely. And it's why I want to issue another challenge to you. This is a big one and it's really specific. And when you look at it, you're going to say, that looks weird. That's so specific. But here's the challenge I want to lay out to you because so many people are disconnected right now. So many people are isolated and lonely right now. They need someone to invite them in to something. So here's my challenge. Invite one to seven people you know to meet with you for five weeks. It's a five-week trial to discuss our Christmas series. We're starting two weeks from today. So you got time to think about this. It's the best gift ever series we're going to have. Invite one to seven people. That's a very specific number. We have found around eight or less are agile enough to meet together, to stay in touch with each other, and to do life together. Man, why not try this? Why not at least pray about this? There's so many people isolated. How do we fix the problem? If more people were to say, you know what, I'm going to get intentional. I'm going to pray this through. I'm going to think of who to invite. I'm going to say, even if it's just one person, hey, you know what, maybe you and I could connect for just five weeks. That weird preacher of ours asked us to do it. And so we're just going to use me as the excuse to ask the question and say, we're going to, can we just like connect once a week? And see, every week for years now, every week we put on our website a little short summary video about the teaching every week and a one-page front and back discussion guide. You, anybody can facilitate some discussion. It's that simple. You just have to read the discussion guide. You can do this. And you can either do it virtually or in person. You can do it safely. And I believe with all my heart there is someone in your circle that would say yes if you just invited them. Jesus said when He talked about the storms are going to come, that if we hear what He said, and we actually do it, that our foundation will stay firm. Right now, more than ever before, our foundation is being challenged with the circumstances all around us. We're being rocked by our circumstances. But friends, if we gather and we grow, and we do it on a regular basis and we fight to do it, friends, we will stay firm and we will fulfill the mission. And it will make a difference in you personally. It will make a difference in your marriage. It will make a difference in your home. It will make a difference in your neighborhood, in your community, in this world. Because the beacon of the hope and the love of Jesus Christ will shine through that storm. People need to see the family of God continuing to be the family of God. So let me resummarize the things that I'm asking you to do. Oh, before I do that, I do want to mention to you this website. Hickorygrove.net, we've got a landing page. Hickorygrove.net slash Christmas, slash Christmas. Right there is where you can go fill out a little form, very quick and easy form that says, I'm interested in, in starting one of those groups to invite one to seven friends. Let us know that. We promise we won't stalk you. We won't creep up on you. We just want to encourage you and resource you in any way if you want to do this. And we're going to use that page for a lot of things from now to the end of the year about Christmas Eve, about the series. So that's the one-stop shop for that series. 
So let me summarize. Here are the three things that I believe God the Father is challenging us to do in the midst of crazy circumstances. First, from now to the end of the year, make worshiping with the family of God a priority every single Sunday. And if it's virtually online, treat it like your weekly Super Bowl. And then thirdly, invite one to seven people you know to be a part of a small group to discuss the Christmas series that begins November 29th. Those are very specific challenges. As we close our time together, I now want to give you a list of things that I invite you to pray. First, ask God to adopt you into His family. That's what Brianna had done. And it's why she got baptized today, to declare to the world, I chose Jesus. I said yes to Jesus. And when you pray and ask Him to forgive you, you place your faith in Him, you become a child of God forever. That's the most important thing you can ever do in your life. And if you've not done that yet, then all this other stuff doesn't matter. Start here. If you've never asked Him to adopt you into His family, ask Him today. Call upon His name. And He will forgive you of your sins. He will save your soul. And he will make you His child forever. But then, ask Him to help you to be more committed to gathering. It takes work and determination to make that a new habit, to gather and worship on a regular basis. And then lastly, ask Him to show you who to invite to grow with you in a group. You don't have to wait till you're really, really like mature and know a lot about the Bible to do this. The woman at the well that Jesus encountered just went around door to door saying, you got to come see this Jesus. That was, it's that simple. Are you willing to actually be the family of God right here, right now, starting today? Will you bow with me as we pray? And while I'm praying out loud, right where you're sitting, you can pray too in your heart. And especially if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, Call out to Him right now, and, and there's no certain words you have to say. There's no magic words. But use your own words to say something like this. Father in heaven, I want to be in your eternal family. Please forgive me of my sins and make me your child right here, right now. I believe in you. I believe you exist. And I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me so that I can live forever with you. I want you to know if you're praying that prayer right now that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because a sinner has been saved and a new name is written in the Lamb's book of life forever and ever. And you're now a part of His family. And now maybe your prayer and others who have already done that would pray, and God, help us to be more committed to gathering during this season as the storms of 2020 have hit my spiritual house. It's been easy to sort of lose the habit of gathering. Help me to be committed to that. Whether it's virtually or in person, help me to be more committed to that. And then maybe your bold prayer today would be, God, I know more people need to be connected in community. There are others isolated and lonely. And maybe, maybe you would use me to, to make a difference, God. Show me someone to invite to just simply discuss a sermon series together for five weeks. Show me, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an acquaintance. Lay a person on my heart. God, give me boldness to not just know what I should do for you, but 
but to actually do it. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here and worship with us today. And if you took a step of faith, or maybe you've got some questions that you want to have answered, let us know. All you have to do is text the word family to our church number, which is 859-356-3162. Let us know anything that's on your heart. Maybe you just need something or something going on in your life we can pray for you about. Just connect with us by texting the word family to that number, all right? Thank you all for worshiping with us today. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday.